Dangerous move bringing your wife to meet Ryan Reynolds. I have to. <laughs> oh, yeah, I said that. Yeah. <laughs> I said that. It looks like he's walking around in 4K. <laughs> you are listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe and William Hill. Hello, I'm Eric Lawler. You're very welcome to this week's House of Football with Sports Joe and William Hill. Delighted to say I have in the studio two of my favourite guests, Alan Cawley and Robbie Redmond, for various reasons. Robbie, because he could sack me in the morning, and Al, because he could chat all day and saves me from doing all the chatting. You <laughs> see also, all the nice things. <laughs> yeah. uh, but also, uh, we're, we're very, very happy to announce that uh, later on the show, we'll be having a chat with a Wrexham footballer, lads. Mm. And not only a Wrexham footballer, but an Irish Wrexham footballer. So really looking forward to that. But, lads, it's the day after the night before we played Gibraltar, we played Greece on Friday, Al, I'm going to turn to you first. What do you make of the international, this international? How can we look back at this international break? Uh, personally and overall, I think we look back with kind of, from my point of view, a lot of kind of disappointment, Eric. A major disappointment as well because we had built the Greece game up to be probably the most pivotal game in the group. Now, unfortunately, where it was in the timing of it, that it, that it's come as the second game, if you like, that that might have been unfortunate because normally you would think you might be three, four, five games into a campaign before you get to the really pivotal one. The fact that we're only two games in and we're kind of literally hyping it up to the point where winner bust type thing. And that's kind of the narrative when we were going into it. Um, and then to, to, I suppose to suffer not only the defeat but the manner in which we got beat I think that was the most disappointing thing because we just never showed up and when you think of the build up the preparation everything that went into it uh, for such a monumental game if you like Eric and that's not kind of overstating it it was a huge game that we were going going into against a team who you would kind of say is what we would think is effectively on a similar level to us similar kind of ranking positions uh, I know they've been on a good run of form under Poye um, and they came into it with a lot of confidence and they obviously won the Nations League Group C as well the one below us so they were coming into it with confidence but I think it was unusual in the sense that it's rare you get a, a match where they're viewing us the same way as we were viewing them that they were everything we were saying over here about possibly beating Greece and, and setting it up as this big game, that they were looking at us thinking if we beat Ireland, we're in the mix to potentially finish second as well. So when you bring all those factors into it and then you have the game itself and to suffer the defeat we did and as I said, the manner in which we lost, Eric, it was so disappointing, the performance. We just never played. We were totally outplayed from start to finish. Um, got ourselves back into the game with a decent set-piece goal. But then Greece took over again and, and we never really looked like ever getting back into the game. I know Nathan Collins had the shot later on, but we never created a chance. We never had any um, foothold in that second half where you thought we're in control of the game here and we're on top and hopefully we might create two or three chances and get ourselves back into it. So when you look back on that and you might think, why are you looking back just on that one and not last night's? I can take nothing from last night's because... All the damage was done on Friday, Eric. All the damage was done on Friday. And we were, if we weren't, I wouldn't even say last night was a must win. If you can't beat Gibraltar. And then we went into the game last night and I know we won 3-0. It's a good result and we've three points on the board. But they were a disgrace. They're the, one of the worst <laughs> national teams I've seen in a long, long time. So I don't think you can take anything from that game whatsoever. The damage was done on Friday. And for that reason, and I was a big Stephen Kenny fan, and and I've I've voiced that opinion plenty, and I wanted him to do well, like us all. Um, I'm on the fence now, Eric. After okay. Friday, I really am on the fence. Robbie, yeah, your I'm take on the weekend? Saying, I was a lot like Alan going into it. 
I supported him for the job. I, I say supported him, I didn't. I was in favour of him getting the job. He'd done a great job at Dundalk. There was obviously question marks around him. We weren't sure, but it was like a breath of fresh air. Then you give him the benefit of doubt. You have the COVID matches. And then, as Alan said, that was a game that Greece are ranked around our level. Like, they probably have got better individual players, but you'd imagine we're going to at least match them. And we were completely outplayed. Like, that was the... It was 2-1, but that could have been 4-1, 5-1. And just so much from the match disappointed me from his selection, the tactics. Like, Poye isn't exactly Pep Guardiola. Like, he's a good manager, but I think he he outskilled, basically. Kenny, like there was no question about it. He was targeting the weak areas of our pitch, like and our weak areas of our team. And the other ones that really bothered me was like the first ten minutes we conceded like seven corners. Like can yeah. someone just get a grip of this match? The manager, a, a player, someone, and even at half time we went in one all. I just I thought there was no way we we're gonna win this or even get a draw from it. So yeah, I like Alan, I'm probably not so much on the fence. I would never call for him to leave. Like I don't think that's fair. You'd let him see out the campaign, but I think we're at a stage where we probably need to start looking at alternatives. I don't know who that alternative is, but we need to start looking at it. And yeah, and even last night, we can't look anything into that whatsoever. Gibraltar are not in any way to be even remarked upon. Like it was a nothing match. They've lost their last four games 3 yeah. 0. So yeah, we can't dwell on that at all. And just to play devil's advocate, because I always were with Stephen Kenny, um, Greece, uh, I know, I, I just thought it was a little bit optimistic of a lot of people saying we need to go in here we should be beating Greece and Athens they've only had one defeat at home in four years yeah. and that was against Spain over a disputed penalty because so mm. they have a really strong home record so I thought I thought genuinely the best we could expect is a draw yeah, but before Alan goes back in it's like when I, said, I think I said last week we have I meant more we have to go for a win like if we had a got okay. a draw I'd go that's brilliant what a yeah. result to draw away to Greece and Athens after a lot of our players haven't played in five six weeks that's brilliant but it was more just I didn't want to talk of, well, we only lost 2-1 or it was just more, we had to go with the aim to get the win. And if we got a draw, fantastic. But uh, that was more my opinion. I never really expected us to win the game. And uh, that's a fair point, Derek, because we've no di- divine right to be beating anyone. Mm-hmm. No. Whether they're the top 20 in the world or down in the 1560s, 60s, wherever they are, because we've struggled for, for such a long period now against all opposition. Um, so I never felt kind of that it was a case of that oh yeah we're going to go over to Greece and and we should be beating Greece I never felt that but I just felt because of the preparation and what was at stake and what was on offer that we would put up a far better showing than what we did and if we had to put up a good showing and you come away with an unfortunate 2-1 loss that you might have been unlucky with a, a, a dodgy decision or whatever the case may be people can live with that but the reason there was so much disappointment over the weekend was because of the lack of performance and the lack of um I suppose Stephen is three years into this now and you would think at this point, especially going into that game, that that we would see the fruits of everything that I suppose Stephen has been speaking about and what he wants from the players. Now, anybody can have a bad day, but this team has had a few bad days in terms of the inconsistency that we've seen. And I think that's why we're at the stage now where... um, Rob mentioned the fact that the COVID years and I was very much of the view that there's going to be a lot of long-term pain, long-term, uh, pain obviously to try and get us to where we want to be and I was willing to live with that and we've lived with it for a year or two three years we're into it now and this is another campaign and I never felt when, when the draw was made oh we're going to top this group or we're finished second or, or potentially third I always knew it was going to be difficult but I just wanted us to be in the group yeah. and I just feel after Friday yeah. and I know people will look and say oh, well we've three points on the board Greece of six and, and it's I think I don't think we're in the group I think 
we have to beat France and the Netherlands in our next two games now. Like we're relying on America now, Eric, to get a playoff. Like we need like all these other teams to win. It's very complicated. Oh, the Nations League, yeah, route. yeah. Like yeah. so, yeah. And what we can't do anything about is the level of the players. Like I've seen a few reports, someone saying Stephen Kenny's like a fall guy, a scapegoat for Ireland's failures. The manager will always be in the far line, but we need to reduce it down to like the very like micro smallest levels. Which is, did he pick the right team? Did he pick the right formation? Did he right, make the right substitutions? I don't think he did. Like I think Greece targeted the fact that we we're playing wing backs and they were having overloads in wide positions. Our midfielders couldn't pass the ball, and um, we weren't getting our strikers into the game enough. So, and then last night against Gibraltar, he starts with three centre halves, and you're like, it's Gibraltar. No offence to them, but uh, and now, this sounds derogatory to League of Ireland players, but we could have put out Shamrock Rovers last night, and he would have beat Greece or Gibraltar by the same score. So that's what makes me question it. Is that in-game management at that like really high level, which these games kind of are? Does he have that? I don't know. And that's what I'm starting to question. And that is the big question as well, Al, I suppose, is, you know, is it is it ineptness from Stephen Kenny or is it just the lack of quality from the players at his disposal? Yeah, I think there's two arguments and, and, and the manager has won, obviously, and I agree with Rob that he'll always be the fall guy. Ultimately, the buck stops at you if you're the manager. We see that at every club team in the world. We see it at every international team in the world. That's only natural and that's the way football has always been for forever. But then you can factor in, I suppose, the second argument is what he's working with. And and that is a factor as well, Eric. There's no getting away from that. When you put those 11 players or 15, 20, whatever the squad is, and you put them down on a piece of paper, and, and yes, we look and think there's young potential there. But these lads... And I don't want to be too harsh on, on, the, on the players in the sense that they're trying to carve out careers, which is a difficult thing to do in an industry that's very difficult to carve out a career. But a lot of them are struggling to get game time at their club. They really are, like, you know. Um, and they're not even big Premier League clubs or Championship clubs, League exactly. One clubs. Exactly. Yeah. So, so when you flip that over then and say, these are this is what Stephen's picking from, and then they come over into the camp and Stephen has to put them together to try and get them out onto the pitch to get results, what we want, that's very, very difficult. So there is two arguments in that sense. Um but ultimately, it will always come down to the manager. And, and the shelf life of a manager now is, has never been shorter at any kind of level. Yeah. And Stephen is now, is he three years into this job? So, so I suppose the debate has, has flipped around now. And I, I even sensed last night at the match the groundswell of support that Stephen has had in this country. And we've all felt it. And rightly so. And I've been one of them. I've been all for Stephen. Um, and I'm not saying I'm not for him now. I just, I'm questioning it now. Whereas before I wasn't, I was always saying, leave him at it, let him get stuck in, let him bring the players through. We're, we're seeing kind of incremental bits of progress. Now, I'm, I, now, even looking at it last night, that groundswell of support that he always had, I think so many people are questioning that now. Yeah. yeah. And the, sorry, the level of the players is, is a non-argument because you cannot do anything about that. All we need now from a coach is to make that group of players better. And I don't know if he has or if he will. Like I told you earlier on in the good stat, it's about Kenny. Well, it's actually grim, but I was looking through. And the teams that are in a beating under Kenny, on average, their ranking is 121 in the world. That's Armenia and Luxembourg and like, Azerbaijan. And, and the teams the we've lost to, are, their average ranking is 40. So we're losing the teams on our level, roughly. And we're not. We're only beating guys who are ranked in the triple digits. Like So we, the only team we've beaten in the top 60 in the world is um, Scotland. Then yeah. Qatar, then you're going into like Luxembourg, as Alan said, Lithuania, Lat Latvia, Azerbaijan. We've only won five competitive matches under him, including the one last night. 
and this is the stuff you just have to question. And it's just it's a it's a cruel game. <laughs> like yeah. it is cruel. But I know you remember Stevens under twenty one team and they were absolutely brilliant at that level. But the step up just hasn't happened for a lot of the players. But also maybe for him, maybe his in game management isn't there that and we need to. In fairness to Stephen as well, Eric, yeah. um maybe he's over egged it a bit. Like yeah. he did a he did a lot of like bullish talk at the I'm start. I'm going to change the way we like, play football like a, and like and, and and that's fine and good because his intentions were good, you know, because we know he's so passionate, he cares, he knew that we knew this was his biggest job that he was ever probably going to get, how much it meant to him, striving over the years with, with the success at Dundalk to get to a point where you're the international manager. And we know how proud and passionate he is. We all know that, even from his days at Dundalk, never mind managing the international team, he was, a, he was so passionate in, when he was in the league here. But maybe he's over-egged it a little bit as well. And, and he might reflect on it now thinking... You know now, now, now. Looking back, some of those statements I made, and 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 that's the stick that people are beating with them. They're all every phrase that I've heard from from critics or or people just having a, a passing opinion. They're all saying, "Where's the football you told us? Where's the football you promised us? Where's the stuff yeah. we were told we were going to see and all?" You know, and we're seeing little bits of it. Don't get me wrong, we have. Don't I'm, I'm not saying we're still playing like what we were under O'Neill, or, or we are very much. He's trying to do that possession based football and stuff, but. Cut out. Sorry, Alan, because the last managers would always say, I don't have the players. What do you expect me to do? Where Stephen's saying, no, these players are very good. We're going to see the best of them. So does that mean it's him? That's the issue. Like, I would think it's more probably the players. But Stephen has backed the players and said they're playing at a high level. And he, Alan's right, he's hamstrung himself completely. Like, it was almost like he saw himself as like, I don't know if he saw this. I don't be cruel to him. But like an Irish Pep Guardiola, who was going to modernise how we play. and But... That's not for him. That's for the underage coaches in the FAI. He just has to pick the international managers to pick the best team available to him to get play the to their strengths. And I don't necessarily know if he has done that. Like Josh Cullinger and I, like he'd be our best passer. But I think the first half he had like fifty-seven percent pass accuracy. Now he disappointed me a lot. Yeah. He was really like, and he's one you're pinning like your hopes on in the sense that he's playing every week at Burnley. There's no excuses for him in a good Burnley team that's just got promoted under a really good manager. And, um, Playing attacking football. Yeah, and he, he 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 had no impact. No impact in Greece. Did he get the Player of the Year? I think he yeah. did. Josh Cullen, yeah. No yeah. impact in Greece. And then last night, playing in that position against Gibraltar, you'd have a field day in in that deep lying position, starting the attacks. You should have, as I say, the most touches on the pitch, the pass accuracy, whatever phrase you want to put on it. Like, but he was giving the ball away and just. And, and 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 that's what I'm saying. There's two debates, there's two arguments, but ultimately it will always come down to the manager. Mm-hmm. And and for all the times he might have stuck up for him before, because we're at the stage where we're three years into it, this is the campaign that everybody was going to judge on him. He's had his chances. And I don't think, to be fair to Stephen, I don't think if he was to be moved on or whatever, whether it be next week or six months or whenever it is that he, that he is moved on, that he can look back and say, well, I was harshly treated or I didn't get a chance. He's had his chances. Yeah, and that probably uh, adds to the fuel uh, of rage that Brian Kerr is seemingly experiencing at the moment because he was an Irish manager, would probably look at Stephen Kenny and the way the media and support has been for him and he probably feels he didn't get the same support, which is probably explaining the way Brian Kerr is going in two-footed on Stephen Kenny at the moment. Yeah, because I think to be fair to Brian, like he was harshly treated because his, his, his rate was, his win percentage rate and all that kind of was very, very good and we were up against the elite teams when, when in, yeah. and very close to qualification. Now we had a far better group of players. You have to kind of factor that in. But I think when you look at, um, obviously the, and, and I think to be fair, the reason he's got such support, Eric, as well, is because genuine football people and fans who were knowledgeable about the game knew where we were. 
like in the sense that the, the rebuilding job that had to be done. And any of us that know the greater kind of significance on where Irish football is at at the moment, they know we're at a, at a low ebb in terms of the greater kind of picture around the game. And that has to be built up. Hence why we see the FEI coming out last week with the, the plan excuse me, to obviously for the investment that they're looking for and the money that they're looking for. So we are at a very low ebb in that sense. And maybe it's just unfortunate timing that Stephen is the manager at this time. But you could argue if we were at a far higher ebb, would he be even in contention to be the manager? Possibly not. So they're all kind of things you can ifs and buts or whatever. He's the manager now. But I think to be fair in, on, on that one, why he's probably got the support. Like, And I'm the one that's saying it's three years now. And, and But I think the reason he got the support was the fact that everybody knew that first year and a half, two years was us very much building from scratch. And that's why I'm saying he's had that period. Now we're into the third year. Even I'm saying we need to see something now. Yeah. You know, yeah. Visible signs of progress. And, yeah. and, and the Greece one killed it. The debate as well needs to kind of calm down a little bit. Like if we get rid of Stephen Kenny, doesn't mean we're going to bring back um, McCarthy or bring back O'Neill and start hoofing the ball off the pitch. Like there are other managers who can play a progressive style, and I think like Stephen came like nearly in like a culture war. Like Stephen's going to play this um, great pass in Barcelona type football, but no teams at international level really play like that. Look at all the players England have, yeah. and they still rely on set pieces. Yeah. Like this is just although I watched them last night. Oh, like the talent <laughs> build, different level. They're brilliant, but no one really plays that free flowing football at that level. And I think we got caught up in that. I don't know whether Stephen underestimated it or he misread it, but international football is generally like a lower standard, slower. It's all about playing to percentages and there might be someone else who can do that, but it, I I feel bad for him in a way because his rhetoric and his talk, it's not going to match up with the players we have at our disposal. That's what I'm going to ask you, Robbie. Uh, Al mentioned there, you know, he, he maybe created a, a, a stick to be beaten with yeah. in his talk about, and and some people point out to his, his, his media interviews as being a stick to beaten with and that he looks, you know, whether that's just his personality, the way he carries himself, there, you know, there are, there are these pregnant pauses. He he's an intelligent down. guy. Like, yeah, very, I mean, very deep. A deep thinker of the game. Yeah, like, you, you read know? his quotes. Like he's a very intelligent guy. He thinks about the game. He cares about the game a lot as well. And um, sometimes, though, you probably need that little bit of bullishness that like Mick McCarthy might have had, or Big Sam might have had, or in his own way, O'Neill kind of had, or Trapatoni had in a way that like. So just, when you say that, you mean like even in a press conference, just being a bit more authoritative, protecting yeah, like the players, kind of thing. It's, or? We're kind of. Maybe a bit Michael getting into but like you say, like Liam Brady says the worst group of players he's ever seen, Irish players. Now that that was put to to Stephen and he said like it's not for him to come back against Liam Brady. That probably would have been a chance to go, listen, not no not no disrespect to Liam Brady, but I work with these guys every day, it means a lot to them. So some managers might do that, they might take the attention off the players, but that's probably far down the list of issues at the moment. But I think it goes back to a lot of the rhetoric and I just don't, like, we shouldn't be focusing on playing so-called good football. There should be a method to it. And a lot of the time in the past, there wasn't much of a method. Like, you wouldn't know what formation they're going to play. You wouldn't know, like, Sawyer's Christie was playing in midfield in some matches. He's not a midfielder. Like, there had to be a method to oh, it. Oh, yeah, but it's all right for John Stones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which was the issue, nor, rather than actually playing progressive football and having 60% possession. That's, that's nearly irrelevant. It's about how do we prepare the players and can we get the most from what is a limited enough group? Where do you sit, Al? On the like, I mean, you did. You, you said your position has changed. You're now more kind of a little bit anxious about getting results and seeing progress. Like, would you give him more time? Would you let him see out the campaign? Yeah, and I, I don't even mind. I don't. It's not just say getting results is the be. Well, it obviously is the be all and end all in the campaign that we're at. But I mean, 
this is just an isolated say on Friday night's game alone. If we've seen a really good performance, Eric, and lost two yeah. one, I could live with that. Yeah. I actually could. And and if we've seen all the things that we were hoping to see and fellas, then you could actually say, Well, look, them lads, they played really well, they're doing everything they can. If they are a limited bunch, but they're giving everything, Stephen's getting everything out of them, and, and Greece were just very good on the night, or we were unlucky and we hit the bar twice. And you know, you, people that live with that, it was the manner of the defeat. And I think that's so damaging for America. It was dreadful. Mm. Yeah. I, I like it's he was given like he's been given all the tools and resources uh, to help him succeed in the job like you know he's had the, the four day training camp in Bristol he had the ten days hot weather training in Turkey and God love him it was leading Latin in Athens <laughs> but anyway <laughs> more bad luck for Stephen Kenny but um, um, he, he, as I said like, he's had all of these things ready for him I mean like again Devil's Advocate it's a difficult time in the season to be playing any yeah. matches right a lot of those players haven't played in six weeks I heard somebody mentioned that maybe they should have set up a behind closed doors friendly because mm-hmm. to me it looked like against Greece on Friday they looked a little bit flat a little bit leggy just couldn't get about the pitches yeah much. and that's and, fair because the, the but the preparation thing Eric is right it's elite level football and and that preparation thing should be a given okay we used to slaughter Martin O'Neill and, and when we used to hear the, the team was picked on a on a Friday morning or a, you know the, the players don't know what position they're playing an hour before kickoff there was all these stories going around you know whether they're true or not uh, we don't know but but these were the stories and the rumour mill around the place so the preparation thing at elite level football that 10 days that I've I'm no problem with that like you know what I mean you mentioned that obviously the, that when the draw was made we're going to Greece Athens in the middle of summer obviously it's going to be very difficult for us how are we going to acclimatise so that planning started then and they got we got stung basically the Armenia game last year similar time similar period and we lost Armenia in the heat and we struggled really bad in that game so if that was a lesson learned from last year they've learned a lesson let's prepare properly let's go to a uh, hot weather training camp whatever phrase you want to put on it but but that leads into then if you do all those things and then you fail on the night yeah. people the first thing they're going to hit you with, well, we're, and that was the first thing people said yeah. what were you doing for the 10 days what what was the training camp what was this all these questions were labelled at him so you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't so I wouldn't be critical of the fact that they went on a 10 day training camp I would say that's proper preparation for a game of that level then obviously it comes back to you're playing Greece and I would be more critical of the fact that this was one game that you were preparing for. We all knew how Greece was going to play and set up. That's when the argument then changes to, well, why weren't we set up to kind of counteract whatever they were going to throw at us if we knew exactly? Because Stephen came out, well, we knew they were going to do this and we knew we were going to do... Well, if you knew it, why was it allowed to happen? That's what makes me question them. And I went back and read the piece I wrote after they lost to Armenia and a lot of the similar issues, like tactically... There was no surprises there for us. No, like he's playing um, Parrot on like the left side of forward three. Like Parrot's not that quick. Um, mm-hmm. Like he's like during I Ida was not a good pick. He's playing two central midfielders. Like he always played four three three. Always as a club manager. But Anthony Barry came in the coach, and it's almost like he downloaded this tactic and he uses it in every match. And I just it just don't it didn't look right. It looked like that uh, surprised that has surprised yeah. me from one who's followed him so closely. And all the years you think back of the Dundalk success and we must have watched Dundalk every week, every second week when they were going with Cork. It was Cork, Dundalk, Cork, Dundalk for five years and having watched him and he never, ever veered away from 4 3 yeah. at Dundalk and that was their staple and they were brilliant at it. Absolutely brilliant. And then, what well, I don't know, was it Barry's influence? And then you could argue, fair enough, there's personnel there that we've good centre-halves and you might want to, like, obviously get two or three of them into the team, whatever the case may be. But as Rob said... That's fine if you're going up maybe against a team where you might be 
we're going to be penned in and hit them on the counter-attack yeah. or whatever you want to come up with. But games against Latvia and Gibraltar, he's never veered away from that since we've gone so, 3-5-2. That how, surprised me a little bit. Yes, Alan said, how can you play the same, have the same approach playing Gibraltar at home as you would France at home? It's just That's what worries me is that like this is that in I'm not a UEFA level coach, but just from watching football, you're like every match I've watched Ireland play, it feels like they're easy to play against. Mm. And that goes back to covering games in the pandemic. And that doesn't mean they're necessarily bad, but it just means Stevens teams, it just feels like on any day other than Gibraltar, someone could beat us. Like and that's been proven. We are easily got at. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to then a bit where the managers before that maybe you're and it's not, it's wrong to compare. O'Neill was successful in getting us to a yeah. tournament, make whatever, you, you might not like the football, you might like the football, whatever the argument is. But you look at him at the moment and that's where, and it's admirable. I know from speaking to Stephen, I know what he wants. I know like how he sees the game and how it should be played and all. And and I'm a little bit like that in the sense that, oh, that's brilliant. If you can get that, I'm all for it, brilliant. But then you, 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 a bit of reality and then that's where it goes back to then those managers have been so pragmatic yeah. in their approaches and you could argue, are they pragmatic with good reason? Are they pragmatic because they're just negative and defensive? They might have looked at the players and thought, all right, this is the best way to get results. And that's fair enough. Whereas Stephen might look back now on this. And, and we're talking like he's gone here, but I'm just talking about like in, in the days when, when he does leave or whatever, or the moments that he's struggling now. I wonder, does he look back and think, OK, maybe we can't be as open. In the, I know how I view the game. I know my ideals. I know what I want in terms of, but we're playing against serious opposition here and maybe we'll just kind of yeah. not be as open. You know? Sorry, that, just even something small like just two midfielders. Like I know we had Smallbone, but Smallbone's playing, kind of playing in like a forward three and he, yeah. he's asking to tuck in. Like just play three midfielders. Ireland aren't good enough to go against any team with just two midfielders. Just, we'll just be outnumbered. Mm -hmm. And that's not like thinking of the game on a super high level. That's just we don't have, if we didn't go low Kante, I'd say fair enough. Yeah. Put N'Golo Kante and Jeff Hendrick in there and we'll go on with it. But we, we don't. And every match we kind of get overrun in midfield, we get pushed forward or back. And it just, again, it feels like we're kind of easy to play against. And I don't know whether it's stubbornness or whether it's ide idealism. Like, is he just like, this is how I want to play and we're going to stick to that. And that's to be admired. But a dose of reality and pragmatism, it's not a bad thing. It's considered an ugly word in football nearly to be pragmatic. Mm -hmm. And I'd often be criticised and say, Jose Mourinho and his Man United manager, because he's the resources to do more because the money you know you have or a club manager but at international level you can't buy a striker like. yeah. a perfect example of that Eric right at the at the very very highest level and we're uh, the two the example I'm going to give you now is two clubs that are like elite European football Man City and Inter Milan in the Champions League yeah. right and Inter Milan go out with an approach because they know Man City are better than us if we come out and, and, and Inzaghi wants to be idealistic about it and say we're yeah, going to play like this off. they <clears throat> will pick you off all day and night he went out with a structure and a shape and they were brilliant Inter yeah. Milan were brilliant on the night and, and they could have won it in the end yeah. and I wasn't I wasn't looking at that saying oh they're negative and yeah. horrible and I was saying this is brilliant brilliant brilliant, brilliant. management out with a Guardiola Guardiola yeah. was for the first time was a bit. Like, looked flustered, didn't yeah. Like, what's yeah. going on here? We're Screaming, and we yeah. said that last week. The they pressed so high, they were everything. so aggressive in what they did. Tactically, he was set up. Barella was jumping out from the midfield to go as a high kind of right sided player to stop them playing out from the back to get the balls into the midfield. And this is what you need to come up with, like you know. Mm. So you can't just go as much as as I say. All I want to do when I played football was pass the ball. But I had to tackle and kick it. Now, <laughs> now I didn't do any of that. At the odd Rob's head. <laughs> but, but there's all different ways of winning matches. And, and, and as much as you want to have your belief and your view, at some point you have to say, well, 
this isn't working we need to maybe go a and it might only be for 20 minutes in the game a half an hour you know as well Alan like you probably if you come out of a match like that where you've been outplayed and you managed to get results from being direct or pragmatic like that must foster like a well, great all, team all spirit all the years like, over the years that's how we got our yeah, results you know? and, like it didn't do us any harm he said um, he said in his post-match press conference last night that it's still not impossible for Ireland to qualify for Euro 2024 is he right? Like in theory, it's not impossible. <laughs> like, but let's be realistic about it. Like, it's over hands. That's right. probably the best thing you can say. That there might be a playoff down the line. Like, what I see happen now is obviously another win over Gibraltar, and probably a, a spirit to draw against Greece at home. And then I don't know what Dutch team is going to show up in September. We don't know. We know France are probably going to beat us. So that's probably... That's what makes it... Sorry, Rob. That's yeah. what makes it even more infuriating. Because look at the Netherlands at the yeah. moment, Eric. So if, if we had to even... A good performance and a draw Friday. We'd be sitting here yeah. off the back of the Gibraltar. We're now thinking the Netherlands are a mess. We could get something off them. Beat Greece at home. We're in with a shout. That's why I'm. I'm just more like I'm devastated with, yeah. with what went on Friday night because you're not even angry. You're just disappointed. I am, Eric. I really am. And normally, you know me. I'd be up <laughs> yeah. and lively and bubbly and yeah. the glass half full and all. I'm just because I wanted Stephen to do so well too. I mm-hmm. always did, and I stuck up for him. And I have fellas texting me now and all those. And I and I was the one that was giving it to them yeah. for months and months. And I'm months. getting a lot of that as well. Yeah, and and, <laughs> yes. and, and, and yeah. I just wanted him to do so well. And I said that's not blind loyalty. That was because I felt he was the right man. He gave him the job. Uh, he's the right fuse in what he wants to do. He's going to bring the young lads through. And I just feel at the moment he's gone from having the job in control, kind of, not in control, but in a place where he, he was a bit secure in it. I think he's hanging, Fire fighting a little he's, bit he's now, hanging yeah. on the edge of yeah. his seat now. We've, if, such a, sorry, we've such a body of evidence now, like over 30 matches. And that's what we're saying, even let's say we get a, a fr- um, playoff next March, like we have to win the game to qualify. And the record shows we don't, we haven't beaten anyone. Of a certain level, like Scotland last year, I was there. That was a great win. That was probably our best performance. I don't know if Scotland were off that day or ever, but as I said, the average ranking of the teams we've beaten under him is like 121. Now let's take Gibraltar out of that. It goes to like 112. And even so then, you're he's, saying there's a chance. Yeah, Robbie. no, you turn to me then and say get rid of only competitive matches. The average rank of a team we've beaten competitive matches is 109 in the world. Wow. So we're only beating minnows. Yeah. And like, how then can I go into any fate and go? Let's say we get Romania next year or another team around our level, Slovakia. Like, I don't have any confidence with beating because I feel sometimes Stephen's approach and combined with some of the players we have means that anyone on their day could beat us. Whereas and all these countries seem to be improving. Yeah, they are. Whereas <laughs> we're looking at it going, you know, Kazakhstan yeah. win last night against Northern Ireland. Yeah. You're kind of thinking, oh, well, yeah. yeah. And it, like, even uh, was it Armenia beating Wales yeah. Wales yeah. the other night? Like, as well. like, there's, there's no easy match. No easy match. It no is a cliche, match. but we've, it's got, true. we've got worse. Let's be honest, the players aren't as good as they were, but everyone else has definitely caught up. And other teams, other countries are doing well in like the Nations League. Like Greece are guaranteed yeah. a playoff. That's right. See, the level of data involved as well in terms of uh, information for people. Teams are far better set up and prepared yeah. and all sorts because everybody at the touch of a screen or buttons, you know. Do you know teams' weaknesses? Yeah, and watching videos and the level of coaching, everything's improved. As I say, the, 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 the data that's involved now at elite level football across the board, they're all improving on and off the pitch, you know. And, and we should be as well. And that's why, as I say, that just this was the campaign. Because I had always said, the, as it, as I mentioned earlier, the first couple of years was very much building blocks and, and trying to get fellas through and, and get caps under their belt, the young players and whatever, and build up a little bit of experience. And I, I even at the outset, I as much as the draw was difficult, I said, this is the campaign that he'll be judged on. So I can't sit here now and be a hypocrite and say, oh, sure, c- carry on like it's grand. You yeah. know, I did say that. And, and one thing I am is I try to be fair and consistent and balanced. And this is the campaign that he's going to be judged on. 
and ultimately the, the game the other night I think is so damaging Yeah, I was at the game last night and I have to say I enjoyed it I did yeah. as an experience because it was a beautiful evening for football uh, there seemed to be quite a nice positive carnival atmosphere in the Aviva now I would say 5-10 minutes before kickoff, I was like oh my god all the people who bought the Dutch tickets haven't turned up there's only about 20 people here and then they all just suddenly came in right at kickoff. so there's 42,000 there at the end of the day Um there was uh, a bit of a Mexican wave going on and I did me, me, me Stephen Ray meme post. I took all their names and we'll be sending a letter to the FAI looking for lifetime bans from the Aviva because anyone who does a Mexican wave shouldn't be at a football match. It should be in the circus or something. Anyway, uh, but it's all started with little kids. So fair play to the kids. Uh, I spoke to a couple of uh, Irish fans after the game and we're going to play that uh, before we speak to Owen. Um, but the question I was asking them was if Stephen Kenny was to move on um, is there any candidates out there that jump to mind to you, Robbie Al? No, off the top possible? of my head, no. one comes in. No, like that. Like also feel like we can't turn our nose up at anyone. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen people saying, like Allardyce has been linked. Sam Allardyce, people are turning their nose up a little bit. But Sam, I'm Allardyce, one of them. That's fair enough. <laughs> but, and the big nose, the big nose. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been a good coach like yeah. he's successful at a certain level and we saw like Poy- it seems hard to beat we saw Poyager and I like no but one but that's going back Rob yeah that and is I, going back yeah. that's fair and I get like, what you're saying about he, like his career or whatever um, but if we've moved it on in terms of yeah. like you know trying to play a little bit more expansive I'm not saying like, yeah. but trying to move it on because you'd like to think they're all playing a bit now yeah. but, but that doesn't mean that's where Stephen I think has fallen down you can play your football and still be pragmatic yes. and like and, and there's a balance to be met there. All the good teams yeah. have it, you know. Like you watch any any team, the only ones is who we all know because it's Man City and Guardiola. And just they, no matter who they're playing, we'll just go out and outplay, right? But every other team around has you need to defend properly. That's football forever, Eric. You need to defend when you don't have the ball, and when you yeah. have the ball, you play and try and create chances. Yeah. But it just feels at the moment that we're trying to say as. as Rob put it good earlier on that it's, it was almost this culture war. Stephen just says going to be this way and he's the only one that can play this way and everybody else can be defensive and, or whatever, you know. And yeah. that, There's a balance to be met somewhere. But the, the argument I made earlier about the fact that there's two arguments, one on Stephen and one on the players, there's a third one then because I've looked at all the names that you're saying and no one inspires me really. No one jumps out. Like, and I'm not saying I want Big Sam, but all I'm saying is we, we ha- if we are going to do this, the search will have to be extensive and it's up, it's the emphasis on the FBI to get it right, but we can't make the mistake of thinking there's no one else. Yeah. There is someone else. Obviously there is. There'll always be someone And like, none of the names that jump out at any of us, I don't think, ideally it shouldn't be a more old school manager like Allardyce or Chris Hewitt maybe. Like Brendan Rodgers probably would have been, Mm -hmm. but he's going to go into a club job and maybe he wants to, that's where he sees his future. People, there's talk of Lee Carsley, but Lee Lee Carsley again has coached uh, under 21 level so we're not actually sure but at the same time I think Stephen should see out the campaign and assess where we are then even just because no one jumps out now doesn't mean there isn't anyone out there so we can't trick ourselves into that either and as I said a lot we, we've been fair I think with him like I was in favour of it and now a lot of people who are still like defending his corner are kind of making the same arguments that Martin O'Neill and that used to make that we don't have the players we don't have the players we may not have the players but I do think the players available to us are capable with the right manager of being at least average. Yeah. <laughs> rather, yeah, than, yeah. rather than being outplayed by Greece. No offence to Greece, but we we need to be more competitive and need to take need to have probably more tactical shoot manager, I would say, at the moment. Al um before we leave the Stephen Kenny Irish discussion, uh Liam Brady has hung up his microphone as a pundit. 
for RT Star. And it's the end of an era. Like the old gang are gone. Yeah. They're all gone now. Um, you, you've obviously you would have met Liam yeah. a couple of times over the years. Worked with him. Uh, never worked with him. Would have. Oh, you would have had a chat with him. Yeah, or whatever, yeah. done bits with Eamon and John, but never Liam. But um, yeah, as you said, it's the end of an era because we grew up with that panel. That panel is yeah. still discussed. So kind of. Um, Affectionately, really, absolutely, it? Yeah. it really is, Eric, because it was it was our childhood for yeah. good and for bad. I I used to be glued to the conversation. I still look back on YouTube clips of some of the arguments oh, and the rows and all yeah. of that. And as I said, they drive you up the walls at times. You'd be agreeing, you'd be disagreeing. But brilliant TV and the three of them together were absolutely brilliant. They really were, you know. Um, and Liam is obviously the youngest of the three, and and now he's decided. And I thought it was a lovely moment last night when he said that. He, it was low key. I know that from even speaking to them inside. He didn't want the big kind of furore around it. That's why it was just announced before the game. And he says that's it. And even I think they did a little montage, and he didn't even know anything about it or didn't want that. But I thought the comment he made right at the end was where he said to Joanne, saying, um, "I'll be outside now with my grandkids watching the match." Ah, oh, brilliant! And isn't that lovely? Like yeah. you know, when you think of he's at the stage where is as I said, he has little grandkids now and. There's such an interest now in football and bringing little kids. You go to that match, like kids everywhere. It's brilliant. Families. And I, I don't know, is that, that's something I've noticed since COVID. Even League of Ireland matches, it's families now and kids yeah. and, and, and go to games and it's brilliant to see. Because um, I believe the children are a future of. Do you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Children. <Sorry. laughs> yeah. I was going to go to the song there. And I thought it was a lovely, lovely comment to say, I'll be outside now sitting with my grandkids. And, and for a fella who's done so much in his career, I never saw him play, but I've seen clips and videos and apparently one of the best ever. Yeah. Um, to, ha ha to have the moment now where he can just go to a match with his grandkids and enjoy a good luck to him. I happen, I happen to be at Lansdowne Road as a, as a very young man watching him score against Brazil. No that goal. Were you at that match? Uh, yeah, yeah, 1987, I think wow. it was. And uh, what an incredible goal. And he was under Jack Charlton's time and he didn't. Jack didn't really fancy him because he was yeah. this odd footballing midfielder and Jack didn't like to play through midfield. Imagine, to him, imagine past him the midfield in the modern era. Oh God, when when it's no, it's all it's all football now. Like. What a player! Yeah, what a player! And like the fact that the the Bruyne fans still revere him as one the of Bruyne, their yeah, maybe an Irish yeah. De Bruyne easily. Yeah, like, I never seen him play now. But you just, forget that he that played for Juventus yeah. and Inter Milan yeah. and all at, like, at the time. Like, top top level player. But you missed as a pundit. Like, yeah, I used to see people giving out about him sometimes on social media saying he's wrong or that he's okay. He's allowed to be wrong. Like that's what I liked about him on the panel was that. Bill would go to Dunphy and Eamon would give you like the real bombastic view. Brady would contradict them and then you'd have Giles, the voice of reason. It was just yeah. perfect. You don't know what broadcast. you're talking about, Robbie. You <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and that comment he made about the players, I'm not sure if people were picking that up. That was actually defending Stephen. Yeah. It wasn't a criticism of the group of players. Yes. Yeah, to yeah, be fair to actually, yeah. him. Yeah, he actually came out and says, look, I feel for Stephen, you know, it wasn't it wasn't him, nothing about the manager, just slating the players. So I'm not sure if people have picked that up correctly because he was actually trying to say, in all my years, all the managers that have gone before Stephen have had a better crop. And I actually feel for Stephen now that this he said this was the worst group he's seen in his lifetime. So I don't think that was aimed at the players at all. It was just a general comment in defence of Stephen. All right, lads, thanks. So what we're going to do now is we're going to play a little bit of audio of some of the Irish fans at the Aviva last night, their opinions on Stephen Kenny and their some suggestions on who they think should take over. And then when that's over, myself and yourself, Al, are going to chat to that lad from Wrexham. I'm looking forward to it. Let's bring it on. Sorry, see you later, Rob. <laughs> A huge match for Stephen Kenny and Ireland tonight. Do you think he's under pressure? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Unless we get a 3-4 goal win here tonight, right now. What about yourself? Have you been a fan of Stephen Kenny? I think you should see, see out the qualifying at the end of the group. 
if they lose tonight, no. Okay, get rid of them straight away. Get rid of them, yeah. Go after Chris Hewitt. Okay. I think Chris Hewitt has shown his pedigree that he's good at what he does at club level. Yeah. But can he do it at international? Yeah. Is, is another question. But he's been around a long time as well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not being bad, but I think the FAI sort of we go after Kenny just to get him in to say the quick place. <laughs> and they probably wouldn't have to spend too much to get with Chris Hewitt now in fairness. 500,000 is all you have, yeah, 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 That's yeah. all you have. Yeah. They, might Chris, they might get Chris for a million. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and twice the results there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Please God. You know, and it's, it's very hard on Kenny as well with the players that he has. Yeah. You know, Liam Brady made a statement the other day that it's the worst group of players we've seen in a long time. Yeah. You know, we're 15, 20 years now following them around and we've seen a lot of players come and go. But how do you bring a team away for three weeks to Torquay, climatise them into the heat? And then they go out and be cancelling three passes together. And I'll fairness though, flashing. <laughs> well, they should be used to that after morning. <laughs> Are you a big fan of Stephen Kenny? Um, I wouldn't say I'm a big fan. No, not either. Okay. Uh, sure. I'm Is he under pressure? Yeah, he's under pressure too. Uh, after he lost to France one 0 so we were going to lose that game anyways. But losing to Greece after piping up, we were going to win and get the three points is a big kind of fault in his end. So we need a big result. I think he's done some good stuff. Yeah, he's brought um, in a lot of new young players. It's just just what Jake says. The results are yeah. disappointing. So if he doesn't win this, he has to go like four wins out of I don't know how many games he's had now. And he just for me, he doesn't take the right squad. Like Abba Femi not starting the other night is very poor. I think he has to start every game. He has to win today. Who would you bring in as his replacement? Well, look, as a Man United fan, I'd bring in Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer <laughs> or Chris Hewton being more realistic. Were you a fan of Stephen Kenny being uh, placed in as Irish manager? Um, I was. I was a fan of the whole idea. Yeah. Like it was. He was meant to come in after Euro 2020. Obviously, COVID kind of That's ruined right. that whole thing, and he was brought in for the playoff. For the playoff, and it, it was a good performance against the back, yeah. but it just it wasn't our night. So I was a fan, but recently, recently, not really. If you were at the, the FAI boss, who would you uh, put in as the next Irish manager? I actually, I I seen this the other day. I love Roy Keane. He just said to him, you know, if you're not going to play for me, I'm not going to bring you in anymore. Is Stephen Kenny's back against the wall? How would you rate Stephen Kenny's tenure so far? <laughs> Uh, I thought, well, it's looked disappointing enough. Like they were, they were exceptionally poor the other night. Uh, there was no intensity from them at all or anything. Big game tonight. We don't get results here tonight. A good result. Like they're coming off three, three, three nil losses. So we're going to be tumbling these nights. Otherwise, it's going to be called for. It's going to be on the chopping block. And if he was to be replaced, is there anyone out there you'd love to get in? I love Big Sam. <laughs> I love Big really? Sam. I love Big Sam. It'd be so hard to break down, like. I don't want to be boring to watch it. We wouldn't be getting tumped, like. It's all about results. Yeah. You want to be in the Euros, like. You have to win games, like. You know what? You can't be afford them performances against Greece the other night. And we are delighted to have on the podcast this week uh, a player from Wrexham, Al. I love it. An Irish player from Wrexham. Uh, the man is Owen O'Connell, Cork City's finest. Owen, you're very welcome to House of Football. Thanks very much, Eric. Thanks very much for having me on. It's a big thrill to have you on, Owen. And uh, listen, <laughs> have you recovered already from the uh, the end of season celebrations yet? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It took me a while, to be fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, we had a good we had a good go at it. So, uh, well, I've just I've just been away on kind of um, a family holiday there, so I used that as a bit of a fitness retreat to get myself back. So, just about <laughs> bring the family away and go fitness training. What a wonderful, what a wonderful family man you are, on good man. <laughs> uh, oh, just just to bring you back, um, I'm not saying you were the main difference, but I am. You were brought in to uh, to Wrexham uh, last day of the transfer window in January, and uh, and then Wrexham get promoted. Are you the man who made the difference? <laughs> um, 
I don't think so. I think they were doing pretty well before, before I turned up, but uh, I tried my best to help along the way, and uh, yeah, it did okay, so we're delighted with, with how it worked out in the end. And how did the move come about for you, Owen? And, like, did you, had you, were you aware, obviously, of the, you know, the, the, the carnival around Wrexham with, with Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhenney, the documentary? Were you aware of all that when you heard about a potential move? Uh, I was aware of, obviously, uh, the, the, the lads that had taken over. I hadn't watched the documentary. Uh, it was it was a bit mad, to be honest, because um, I was in living in London at the time. Um, my grand and granddad were over there at the time they were playing Sheffield United in the Cup. I think it was the night before deadline day. Yeah. And um, we had it on, and I remember watching and thinking, geez, that's some atmosphere. Like, it's unbelievable. I'd obviously seen stuff about it and seen they were doing well in the league, but I hadn't really uh, looked much into it. And... Um, yeah, and it was like the next day, then I was kind of got a call about it. And it, the way it worked out now was, was pretty mad. I think uh, I just kind of had a call. And then the next day, when it got pulled in before training, the chat and said, Look, we've had an inquiry. Like, and I, I was, to be honest with you, quite happy there. So I just said, Oh, yeah, well, I didn't really think much of it. And then finished training, and it was kind of like, Oh, there's been a bid, and the bid's going to be accepted. So it was kind of get up the road. So it was literally that quick. It was, it was a bit mental, to be honest. Yeah, a whirlwind, as you say. And and were were the were the two boys involved in any way in the negotiations, or the, the to convince you to go, or did you need much convincing to go, Ryan and Rob? Um, well, to be honest, um, I didn't I didn't speak to them until I'd actually signed. Uh, I I previously spoke to the manager there a couple of years ago, and I was I was out of contract at Rochdale, so he'd kind of explained the whole project to me. I didn't end up going there at the time, but. Um, Obviously, I knew what was going on then just from that conversation. Um, and yeah, no, I only I spoke to the manager on the way up. Um, obviously, we we previously spoke, so I knew him already. So I was like, it, it was it was a case really where it happened that quickly, and but they were that interested. And and to be honest, it didn't really take much to to kind of convince me. I think uh, it, it's it's like it's a club on the up. It was such such a big thing. Obviously, it was it was dropping down two levels, but I think I I've been someone who always looked at kind of the bigger picture. So. Uh, when I when I looked into it, kind of, it it, it didn't really take much convincing, and uh, yeah, I, I didn't speak to them until after, I, I went up. I didn't get up there till quite late actually, and did the medical. But I got into the car, and when I was driving back down the road, I had them on on, on the speaker in the car. So um, yeah, <laughs> I was, must, I must have been be slightly honest. surreal, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a bit mad because I, I I'd um I'd done the medical, and it was like ten eleven o'clock, and I don't think I'd eaten all day, so I pulled in to get some food. Next thing, some American numbers popped up on my phone. I thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> Yeah, so and, what were they saying? Were just just welcoming you to the club, kind of thing, was it? Yeah, well, well, to be honest, I I, I spoke to Rob that night, and, and you know, obviously, people think like they're American, but they know. They're, they're, I know they've been doing it a few years, but they're very clued in about everything now. They seem to know, like, uh, really. So we were we were kind of discussing things, the game, and and just everything in general. And I think they knew the ins and outs, obviously, the club, and were just explaining that side to me and how much they thought I'd love it and. Yeah, it was like a very interesting call. Really, they're, they're very kind of interesting people to be around, obviously, but uh, just very kind of down to earth, and you're able to have a normal conversation with them as well. And the the the, the great announcement video of you have, of your signing with the lads uh, mispronouncing your name. What did you make of that? <laughs> yeah, that that was that was a funny because I think they actually put that out before it even announced. The oh, really? Signing. That's how confident oh, they were. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't I don't have Twitter, so I'm driving up the road. Um, I'm driving up the road and I've got out of the car to go and do the medical and I get, I look at my phone and when, when I arrived and it's like, I'm getting links, links like I'd say from about 50 people because so, obviously it was kind of kept quiet. I didn't really know what was happening. So I've, 
I've clicked on it just so I've got out of the car and I'm, I'm, I've just had a quick watch and I thought, geez, this is mental. But yeah, it was like, um, it, and, it was and, huge, that, that video, obviously. And are all the player, were all the players calling you Eogan? A few lads still do. Quite well. <laughs> to be honest with you, I've, I've, had, I've had a bit of crack and, and banter about that my whole career, I think. Uh, <laughs> I've called about 15 different names. <laughs> As owners go on, do um, obviously it comes across in the documentary and more so even towards the end of season with the games and, and the title race and obviously you see them getting quite emotional as well, not just with the FA Cup tie but also the league race at the end. Um, are the genuinely passionate kind of uh, owners in the sense that they're thinking, you mentioned there about the bigger picture, the project, they really want to be around for the long haul and, and want to kind of see the club progress up through the divisions? Oh yeah, yeah. From obviously from from what I've seen and and just like speaking to them, it's 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 an it's incredible to kind of be a part of that because I think you know obviously um, when you're playing in like in kind of League One, League Two, and that there's, there's not like loads of money around for most teams, so it's almost a case of like um, you're trying to you know the club's always trying to work within what what they have and, and trying to be the best owners possible, but. These these lads obviously are putting their money in, but the way the way they run it is like incredible. There's no like, there's no ego from them. They're like they're there for us. I, you know, they come over as much as they can to games, and they'd be in the dressing room after having a chat and everything. But the way the way they just run it is 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 incredible. Then like, and at the same time, you, you kind of think, oh, coming from the outside like that, they'd be kind of putting their nose, and they'd literally just let the manager do his job and. It, it, it's really incredible the, the understanding to have for it straight away to, the way to run the club and just like speaking to them about it they're definitely in it for the long haul they, they, they're like they're obsessed by it they love they love they love all the lads and you know even I've said this before but you'd be like sometimes sitting on the couch and you'd get a message from one of them just like kind of having a conversation it's like it's, it, it, it's mental really that's amazing. Just sitting on the couch and oh my god, there's a message from Ryan Reynolds. Watching it, watching the film. There's yeah. Ryan the film. He's texting yeah, you. It's 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 it's, it's brilliant. Dude. And I think a couple a couple of weeks after I joined, I think the women's team played, uh, and there was it was a big day out. So he Ryan had messaged me saying because I'd not met them yet at that stage. Um, come along and bring the family, and that's why I brought my my wife and and a little one, and we just kind of spent the day with a few of the lads and him and his family. It was like. It's a dang- it was so like dang- natural. It was like dangerous move bringing your wife to meet Ryan Reynolds. It happened. <laughs> oh yeah, I said that. Yeah. <laughs> I said that. It looks like he's walking around in four K. <laughs> but um, uh, if we could just uh, bring you back to the 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 end of the season uh, on um, the the big massive pivotal game was that game against Notts County, um, and both these were like streets ahead of everyone in, in in that league. And thankfully, I think justice was done that Notts County got promoted mm. via the playoffs. Eventually, they deserved it, but. That game, um, do you remember your your feelings going into that game and, 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 and like the tension that was around the club and this was potentially a title decider? Can you can you give us a sense of what it was like before that game and, and what your mindset was like going into that game? Yeah, it was like uh, we'd actually got beaten as well on the Friday. We played them on the Monday and we'd got beaten on the Friday for the first time, I think, since October or something. Yeah. So it was like, it was kind of, we, we were humbled going into it. I think... Uh, to be honest, it was like we, we were very well. I'd certainly be very comfortable in that environment where, like, uh, the the game, like, it, it wasn't almost a title decider, I think, but like, it, it was obviously a massive game in 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 the in in going for the running. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was like it was almost like 
I, I remember like growing up playing GA and that, and it was always like a oh, championship match knockout. So I almost, I'm almost comfortable in, in that type of environment. And I remember walking onto the pitch before the game and seeing the atmosphere and just thinking, yeah, like let's have a bit of this. Here we go. And <laughs> this is where I want to be. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it turned out to be to be a bit to be a mental game, but. Uh, yeah, it was like we we were really. I think I don't know the defeat on the Friday almost helped us a little bit. We were really confident going into the game on the Monday, even though we played really poorly on the Friday. We were really confident that you know we were going to win, and um, obviously it turned out to be a bit dramatic in the end. But I it think was a, we, we, yeah. played, we actually played really well. Yeah, but it, it, it was, was a, it was a Hollywood script. It's a coin of phrase, I suppose. You know, and then you know Ben Foster saving a penalty in the last minute and yeah. and Ben was a late addition uh, like yourself on to like even later uh, to, to the squad and um, Ben's played at the highest level Premier League Man United at Watford um, what, what's what's he been like uh, joining the group and the impact he's made at the club brilliant um, absolutely brilliant I think you know it was kind of like uh, there was a few whispers about it happening before it happened and then um, obviously he came in and you know he, he it was like you always wondering when a player from that level comes down to kind of, you know, obviously League One, League Two, or National League level. Like, what are they going to be like? And he fitted in straight away. He was like, he's he's a brilliant fella to be honest. He's he's in he's in with us. He's one of the lads. You know what I mean? Straight off the bat, you could tell that, and he gets involved in everything. And um, he was a huge lift, I think, just to have his personality as well as obviously how well he, he played just around the place. But it was more it was more like his personality to. To kind of help help the lads and kind of and kind of drive us on. And what was it? Was was that what he did? Is that what he brought to the group? On he would have a chat with the younger lads and calm people's nerves and just offer a bit of experience. Oh yeah, I think you know he's like um, our dressing room is kind of like uh, it's it's full of kind of big characters to be honest, and a lot of lads who who will have their say and stuff. And and he just just kind of came in and added to that. And you know he's he, he's been like a breath of fresh air around the place. He's like he's got time for everyone. I think. Um, He's been. It's just fitted in really well, to be honest. Which isn't always the case. I think when when you get a player coming down from a higher level, it can take a bit of time. But I think he said it himself. He kind of he fitted in straight away and, and loved it straight away. Yeah, he seems to be loving it already. And obviously, he signed a new uh, an, another year contract, and uh, I suppose that's a, a huge boost to the club. Oh yeah, brilliant. I think. Um, but I think he's just like the rest of us and got got sucked in. Really, you can't. <laughs> it's, it's something you want to be a part of. I think. Um, you know, everyone, there's a few lads, good few lads who have dropped down, obviously, to, and I suppose taking that risk to drop into the National League to take the risk to get promoted. And every, I think every one of us will say, if you ask this, is the best thing we've ever done. So um, hopefully the, the journey can continue now. The other one that sticks out for me, Owen, obviously Foster has had such an impact, and as you say, the, the career that he's had up to now, but Paul Mullen as well, um, and obviously in the cup tie, Sheffield United, and the amount of goals that he scored, but I've heard him interviewed a couple of times since, and obviously people focus on the Vegas trip, which we'll come to, Owen, don't worry, <laughs> but um, just, uh, I suppose, to have his experience at that level as well, and the amount of goals that he scored, he seems like such a brilliant character on and off the pitch. Oh yeah, brilliant. Um because I've obviously played against him over the years and he's he's always been one you kind of think like, geez, he could cause trouble for me today. And then um, the last few years, he's just been on fire. And I think, to be honest, uh, the pressure he's had on like all season, you know, to, to kind of carry the team with his goals. It, it, it's like, I've always said, the, 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 usually the goal scorers you play with are the lazy fellas who moan and give out if the pass isn't right. Or mm. he just runs and runs and runs for the team. And, is so unselfish in the way he plays and a brilliant fella around the place as well. So um, he's unreal to have around for everyone, I think. And even for like younger lads to look up to kind of 
someone to have an attitude like that who, who's scoring all them goals but, but still plays you know for the team every week is is, is brilliant to see it sounds on as well, even listening to you there with the experience of Foster, Mullen, uh, yourself obviously dropped down a couple of divisions. Not only do you have the quality amongst the squad, but you, that even comes across that you have uh, a really strong bond and unity and togetherness amongst, amongst the team, which you obviously need to be to be successful as well because everyone that references the Vegas trip, and I'm sure it's difficult to not enjoy a Vegas trip, but the fact that you all seem friends and pals as well has carried you a long way so far too. Yeah, 100%. I think... Um the best dressing rooms I've always been in have always been like good characters. And and, and I, just, I think just people, you know, you can look at in the dressing room and know that they're going to run for you and mm. know they want to work for the team today. And that's a huge, huge thing. I think in, in, in any team really where, you know, it, it's like we, we played games this year where we didn't really, even my first game, we didn't really play very well, but we just grounded out for each other. And there's been a, been a lot of games, even in the games I've played where that, where that's been the situation where you might turn up and the pitch isn't great in an away game or something like that. But, there's never any moans and groans. It's just get on with it and, and, and do it for each other. And um, I think that's the best thing about us, really. I've, I've, I've played in a lot of teams over the last few years where we maybe played nice football, but would fall down in, in the aspect of like doing the work for each other, I think. But that, that's certainly not missing here. I think it's, it's, it's almost been a breath of fresh air for me to be really a part of, to come straight into it, like a dress room like that and just, and just know that everyone's in it together and, and you know everyone's going at it for each other. And just on the uh, the end of season trip, I'll alluded to there. Uh, um, Owen was the uh, the trip to Vegas. Um, I, I I know like there was 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 it known as we're going to Vegas because I think was it they were quite vague. They said, look, if you get promotion, there's a there's something special waiting for you with bright lights or something along that something vague. Or did you just know that if we get this, we're going to Vegas? Yeah, it was it was like I think. It, it was like that. It was almost like there's there's a trip at the end. I think everyone kind of knew it was Vegas, but it was never obviously set in stone. Until you thought we it was promoted. Cardiff or somewhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would have taken car. I would have taken car. <laughs> yeah. The Las Vegas yeah, of Ireland. Like, um, <laughs> um, and, yeah, and the, it was like. And the trip itself, phone was it? Was it? Was it just the players? Was it families or or, or just just the players? No, yeah, just the players. Yeah, just the players. I think there was like uh, I think there was. 28 or 29 of us there. Wow. A proper football tripper. Yeah. Just the players. Yeah. What happens yeah. in Vegas stays in yeah. Vegas. Was it? <laughs> it was a good, yeah. it was a good trip was, though, Owen. Yeah, you enjoyed it. I was brilliant. I remember like, um, it was a, it was the first time I'd actually been to America and it was like my first trip like that where obviously celebrating a promotion and I think, I remember just saying to a few like the younger lads who were on the trip like, embrace this. I said, because this is what it's all about. Like getting, getting to do this all together and, and celebrate things like that don't really come around too often and um I think we certainly made the most of it anyway. We had a good go at it. So. It certainly looked, like, it looked like that. Every, I think I think what's happened with Wrexham is now, like obviously they've gone into League 2 and uh, they have become such an attractive club now to players. I would say even in Championship level mm. must be looking at Wrexham going, tell you what, wouldn't mind playing for them, the exposure. You mentioned Paul Mullen. Mm. Paul Mullen was kind of criticised when he went to Wrexham first and you know dropping down divisions and he was saying he was going for the money. But now he's become this household name. Mm. Everyone sings that song, we've got Mullen, super <laughs> Paul Mullen. But anyway... Um, Sorry, uh, um, like we, we, it would be remiss of you to, like, I know you're playing for Wrexham and it's a big news story and all that, but just to go back into your career, um, started out at Celtic and, uh, and played under Brendan Rodgers and now Brendan's back at Celtic. Um, what was your impressions of Rodgers uh, as a manager at Celtic? Yeah, he was, um, but I think first, it's a very good appointment for him to, to have him back. Um, he was like, uh, I think I was about 20 or 21 when he took over and uh yeah, it was like I think I think if you ask any of the players there, it was kind of like a 
the kind of woe factor straight away. You could kind of tell from the kind of first training session how good a coach he was. And and um, it was, I was obviously like, I, I'd re- I was a Liverpool fan, like growing up. So obviously I'd seen a manager of Liverpool and um, I really enjoyed the way the team played. So I was almost like, when he came in, thought, oh, I'm just going to be a sponge here in, in training and, and kind of take things and just trying to understand the game even better. And um, yeah, he was like, it, it, it was the first time I'd seen as a, I, I played for like, Neil Lennon was the first manager when I was there. And I think, you know, he was unreal, brilliant to me. I, I, I really, uh, I really loved like working for him, even though I only played once, but it was just like getting the chance to train with him and work under him for, for a kind of like six month period was unreal. But um, I think Brendan had kind of like, in terms of was like the, the modern day coach taking the, taking it up a level in terms of the way we trained everything in training was set towards like uh what was going to happen in the game and stuff like that it was it was really i, I almost just like loved the training as much as anything because it was it was just so good to be a part of and obviously i was kind of I, I was coming up to a year left in my contract when he took over and i'd just come back from cork city was kind of struggling with a bit of a groin problem so i wasn't really expecting anything and all of a sudden then i ended up playing so it was like um it was it was a bit of a whirlwind as well but yeah he I, I think they've done really well to get him back in, and I think um, yeah, Rogers is is considered a modern elite level uh, coach. And speaking of modern elite level professionals, um, you've got modern elite professionals in your family. Paul O'Connell's your cousin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's my dad's first cousin. Yeah. That's amazing. He's and cousin. do, do, do yeah. you have much contact with Paul? Does he does he ever give you advice or anything like that? Has he ever given you advice on? Um, I think I used to go to my granddad. Um, so my granddad would be his uncle. So we used to go to Limerick to watch the matches all the time when I was a kid, just the two of us. So it was kind of like we'd go up and I've been in the dressing room after the games a couple of times, obviously, when I was a kid. And uh, we had a good day with actually when they won the Grand Slam in uh, Scotland at the time. Oh, yes. They played Scotland early. I think England lost. But we were, I was at that, I think that was about 2015 or 16. But we, we had a good day for that. And um, to be honest, I wouldn't really be kind of into bothering him too much he's like i've obviously spoke to him um uh quite a bit over the years but i, I wouldn't be one to mither him and uh he has given me some advice over the years and and, and different things about like how to look after your body and stuff like that and what to do yeah. and um has, has, yeah, he, think, you know, has he ever played football himself at all on you know i don't know to be honest uh, <laughs> i'm just thinking he'd make I a good centre half He's a good golfer anyway. I think I've, I've, I've played. He's taking your money, so has he on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not yet. I've, I've played with his brother. He's taking my money, but um, not, not yet. <laughs> on on uh, sorry, Eric, on the, um, with Paul, obviously, he's gone down the coaching road now. And just listening to you, on and even from watching you play, you're like that kind of experienced old head on young shoulders type of player at the back, sees things in front of you. Um, and you obviously you spoke there about the different managers that you've had and you've loved the training side of things and the coaching and you sound like a deep thinker on the game. I know you're still enjoying the Wrexham stuff and still very much young in your career, but would that be something you might have in mind down the line as well, your coaching badges? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I was actually going to start in this summer there, but I already had holidays booked and it's kind of like... It, wow. it, uh, More Vegas trips, is it? Yeah, <laughs> you, can't miss, you can't miss a day on the course. So um, I'm going to start them next summer, but it's... To be honest, it's something like yeah, I'd definitely love to do. Even though um, I think my wife would like kill me a couple times. We'd be sitting down watching, we'd be sitting down watching a game, and all of a sudden I'm grabbing something to write something down. I just, I've always been a bit of a kind of a football geek. I think, um, but yeah, I, Before- I've, I've worked with like re- really, uh, obviously some really good managers. I actually used to meet. Uh, so Brian Barry Murphy was my manager at Rochdale, mm. and he'd be the same. He he was first team coach at Rochdale when I played at Berry. So. 
we used to meet on Wednesdays when we both had a day off and just like talk about the game and discuss football and that. So it was like, it was, I think I've always been a deep thinker, but then he's kind of like gotten my, gotten my head even a bit more. So now, yeah, I think um, I've got a little girl now. She's two, so I don't get the chance to watch as much football as I'd like, but uh I just love love watching the game and, and love speaking about the game. Yeah, so I really enjoy it. And before we let you go on, because we are running rapidly out of time, um, have you ever watched Fair City? I have, yeah. Yeah, I, I used to be in Fair City. If I send you a reel, yeah. will you send it on to Ryan and Rob and let them have a look, <laughs> a little screen test for me? <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> Fair play to you, I'll hold you that. Owen O'Connell, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And uh, on behalf of everyone here in House of Football and across Ireland, we will be watching with great interest Wrexham going back into League Two. And we wish you nothing but the best of luck for the, for the coming season ahead. Cheers, Eric. Thanks. Cheers, Al. I'll enjoy that chat. Oh, what a beautiful, what lovely lad really was. Um, and it's great to see, obviously, dropping down a couple of divisions can be a big thing, obviously a big decision in his life, but absolutely relishing the environment as he now at Wrexham. And um, he came across really, really well. And best luck, we will be all yeah, glued a whole to lot of us what goes on next year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that brings us to the end of episode 13 of House of Football with William Hill and Sports Show. I'd like to thank my guest, Alan Cawley, uh, Robbie Redmond, and of course, Owen O'Connell, who gave us a great insight to life at Wrexham. But for now, we'll see you again next week. Don't forget to subscribe, share and like. Tell your friends we're here every week. You've been listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe and William Hill.